All right, church, I'm going to greet you once again for the sake of the recording. For those that are far away from us, well, greetings once again from Gate Ministries in Dundee. My name is Henry Roto, as you guys know that are here with us. But um, this morning, um, my message is going to border between uh, two points. One of them is conditioning. Conditioning. I'm going to start off by just allowing you to see where I'm coming from. And then we're going to go back again to Matthew 12 and uh, Matthew 13. And if time permits, we will go to other scriptures that I need to highlight to us this morning how conditioning determines how you think, determines how you behave. It is the conditioning and how important it is if that conditioning is not based on the truth of the word of God. Because there are some that will condition themselves in the word of God and yet come to wrong conclusions. One of the things that I observed in the week, I don't know, some of you that listen to the radio, you are likely to have been part of or heard that there was a march that was going on in Durban where the musicians were marching to a township outside of Durban and uh, were going to protest against uh, gender-based violence. There was a young lady that was killed in that area. Oh, well, there has been several people that have been killed in our country of late. And, uh, and as I was listening to this piece on the radio, I began to think, oh, maybe it is just being compounded by the way I have been thinking about <clears throat> the conditioning that we are currently going through. You listen to TV news, you listen to the radio news. Most of the radio is still a little bitter. But TV news is no more reporting news. They are now conditioning. We are being steered towards a direction that we need to think. You are not given the evidence, you are given a narrative. It is no longer news. It is debriefing. It is as the same system when uh, the children of Israel got to uh, Babylon. How the king said, I need you to go to the children of the Hebrews and go and find us. Those who are wise. Those that have studied I want you to bring them to our table. You know, table, don't look at it as dining in fancy food. You have to look at it scripturally. You have to look at it holistically. They were being brought into a certain way of thinking. And so we are seeing uh, news readers or commentators all over the world 
have taken up the position of conditioning the world into a certain way of thinking. And, uh, and looking at uh, the musicians that were marching to, the, I, I don't know, I can't remember if it was Guamashu, but maybe I didn't quite hear where it was. I know it was in the Durban area because already that struck a chord in me. My understanding of that is you can march as much as you want. You can jump and go and destroy everything that you want to do, except the heart condition is changed. The bloodthirst in all over the world is going to continue. And I began to seek God and say, but what is it, Lord? Why is there so much of a murderous spirit that is pervading our society? And I began to realize that it was, maybe not then, but to me, it's just begun to escalate. When the governments have become God. They decide now which child can remain in the womb and which child should be killed. It's been made uh, of the law. In fact, now they say even a child as young as 15 can have an abortion without having to tell its parents. I mean, some were doing it anyway. But now the law has said it is perfectly right what you are doing. And yet you would hear those grown-ups who did go through that. You hear the tortured life they lead. But the governments don't care about that. Because the more damaged you are, the more they can control, the easier they can control you. The easier they can direct your life because you are so filled with guilt that you cannot think for yourself anymore. Anybody that says, I will reach out a hand of help becomes acceptable to you because you are so damaged you cannot look after yourself. And I, it just highlighted to me that at the end of the day, when our hearts are not converted to God, we can make the best of legislation in the land. It is said South Africa has the greatest um, constitution. That South Africa is an envy of the world of how a constitution should be written. But I dare say to you, we as South Africans haven't felt the beauty of our constitution. Some maybe. But to the poor of South Africa, they haven't felt the value of that constitution. It might be touted all over the world as the best constitution, but it hasn't reached the marginalized. The marginalized will remain marginalized as long as our education system 
is as fraught as it is. Very weak, virtually non-compliant to developing the mind of a young child. Instead, we are being steered towards a system that will put men on top of another man. In other words, the government becomes the one who decides whether you live or die. Even though right now they say uh, the sentence of, uh, uh, the death sentence has been abolished. But the reality is you're alive, but you're already dead. When you do not have a sense of belonging, when you live in fear, when you cannot walk into your house without turning back and locking your door, can you say you are living a life of abundance? And so I just feel that uh, we are being conditioned all over the world. It's not only in South Africa, all over the world. You listen to any news. Once they select who they don't like, you are doomed unless you are on God's side. Unless God is before us, we can truly then say who can be against us. But if that is also dependent, if we have escaped the conditioning of Babylon, the conditioning of Babylon definitely wants to put the system of uh, the pyramid where you will always have a pharaoh on the top and you will have the slaves at the bottom burning bricks. Those slaves at the bottom have got no say whatsoever as far as their own lives is concerned. They only have to hear what Pharaoh says. What Pharaoh says, his God is henchmen who are also just as slaves to carry out the mandate of Pharaoh. And I see the opposite when it comes to Jesus Christ. Because the word of God says Jesus reaches out to us in love. His uh, whole DNA was to empty himself, not to impose himself on anybody. He emptied himself. He would allow those that didn't want him to have their way. He would walk away from them. He never stood his ground and he said, you will do my, there is no way where Jesus said, you will follow me. No way. He will further demonstrate that uh, he is quite willing to allow the wheat and the tares to grow uh, alongside each other. When he showed us Judas, knowing that Judas was the tare amongst the wheat that he was developing. He knew that Judas was there to get what he can out of you. He milked the system for what he could get out of it. There was never a time that he was uh, there willingly uh, 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 pushing uh, uh, Judas. He hoped that the things that he was developing around himself, the things that he was doing with the disciples, will catch on even to Judas. 
But there was never a time when he said to Judas, I know what you are busy doing. And it is going to hurt you. But he will teach in a way that you knew. He wouldn't say, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. If he wasn't saying, you need to copy me because I copy my father, who is the creator of heaven and earth. That is why Jesus will say, I do nothing else except I see my father. Because he knew that God was the ultimate authority. There is no father in his own house that will impose his will on his children. But he will teach his children that this is how we do things in this house. Yes, when they are still young, uh, uh, Mari will attest to this, that their father used to say to them, you cannot sleep until a certain time. You have to wake up. In other words, there's a culture that you need to catch on into in, the, in, your, in your family, in your father's house, or through your father. What your father does, you do without even having to think about it. You simply, why? Because it's cultured in you. <clears throat> and so... I find that there is uh, uh, there's, uh, debates that we have found ourselves being taken up with. Television right now is full with uh, gender-based violence and all the, the nonsense that goes with it. I don't know which way we can change it, but I'm going to tell you a story that I had a glimpse of. I didn't see the whole thing because I was doing some work yesterday afternoon when I was at home. There was a village, they showed you this village, where there was two gangs that were operating in this village. And each one wanted to be the main manners. They had a boss, each one had a boss. And uh, the boss would, all they wanted was money. And then there was this young guy who had his other gangsters. But this day he left them and he decided they had wounded somebody alongside the road. And he goes and he asks this uh, man's uh, youngster's sister, if he can carry this guy home. And this girl here says to him, no, 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 you cannot take him because you guys are responsible for this. Now, why would you um, uh, destroy and then you want to tell me you want to come and build the same thing again that you are busy destroying? And anyway, he made his plea and finally, because she couldn't pick him up, she allowed him to carried this young man home. And as they got home at the gate, the mother meets him. And she says, how dare you? She's carrying us. This youngster is carrying uh, this woman's uh, son. And she says to him, I don't want to see you. You guys are a menace in society. How dare you come into my house? Are you coming to see what you can come and harass us about? And he would make his case. 
And finally, they say, look, I am carrying this man here. Let me bring him inside. I'm just demonstrating that I'm an innocent man. Of course he wasn't. But he knew how to manipulate and get around things. And finally, he gets back to where his friends are holding up this old man. And then he calls off his uh, hound. One of them was Terra. He says, no, get out of the way, Terra. And he pulls a chair. Well, he doesn't pull a chair. He tells one of his henchmen, he says, bring the chair. And then anyway, <laughs> the chair was cute. It was uh, a container, uh, a paint container, a 20-liter. 20, 20 <laughs> that was his chair. So he sits on this thing here. And he says to this old man, he says, if we kill you, your wife will get your insurance money. If we take your sons, we take your wives and harm them, you're going to call the police. And things could get very ugly. So we don't want to do that. We just want you to give us money now. If you value your family, you're going to give us money now. Money we want now. <laughs> anyway, the old man meekly gets up and he goes and he comes back with a bundle of notes and he gives it to them and they go. And then another scene, it shows them when they are traveling together and they're having discussions of, of who now is uh, rising up as a boss in a certain area, how they need to eliminate this guy. But as they are driving, they see this girl, you know, of the, the young man that he was carrying. So he gets out of the vehicle now. You know, he's going to go and speak to this girl. Anyway, she tells him, no, you guys are a menace to us. How can you say you're in love with me when you'll do the things that you are doing? It just cannot be. It cannot work. And she rejects him. But in the end, uh, it shows uh, he's in, the, in his room and she's lying on a bed at home. And uh, Oh, no, at the first instance when he dropped uh, the brother, he left her his cell phone number. Anyway, this time she's at home and he's at his house and then uh, he video calls her and he does all the fancy things and he makes her laugh. And... <laughs> and then as he develops feelings towards this girl and she's responding, he begins to think, Am I doing right in what we are doing as gangsters? And so he gets his henchmen together and they have a discussion. They say, you know, when we joined with these gangsters, we joined this man as our leader, he promised us heaven and earth. He promised us paradise. He says, are we in paradise? If you look around us, everywhere we walk in town, the old ladies are crying because of us. Can you truly say this is paradise? And I began to think, 
Except we fall in love with Jesus, we will fall for every lie that is promised to us that our lives are going to be made better. Because we are simply being made to commit, I'm talking politically, to commit to, uh, to, uh, to politicians. Everywhere politicians are involved and they talk about what they're going to do for you, they are actually saying that somebody else is not able to look after you as we do. So everywhere it is indoctrination of uh, if you are not in love with God, you will fall in love with the lies of every person that will come around you. The promises and promises and promises. And they never come to fruition in any way. But Jesus is here today. And if you have never fallen in love with Jesus, you are likely to walk out of here and hear somebody making you promises. And those promises they cannot fulfill. Simply because they are wanting you to conform to their things or their ways or whatever they are promising you. But they have no hope or they have no hold on tomorrow. Their lives could be ended today. What will happen then to you? If you do not have the eternal God holding you by his righteous right hand. And I say there's a whole lot of debates that are going on. And Jesus, uh, was it Paul, who said uh, uh, at one point, he says that do not fall folly to the folly of uh, discussing uh, things, uh, endless ge genealogies, that's what he said. He said, but rather let your words be subverting to those that are outside of the world of the Father. Let your words bring people to God, not to an ideology. Don't let your words be about endless things that nobody, I mean... We hear, I mean, we had a young lady, they, they both have died now, mother and daughter have died. But uh, before, when she was still full of herself, she used to say, who made God? Where did God come from? If you can't tell me where God comes from, who created God, how can you tell me that he loves me? If you cannot tell me his origin, how can you tell me that he even exists? For me, that was one of those endless genealogies or endless uh, studies that uh, did not lead this young woman to a place where she simply accepted that God is. And he is a creator of everything that is around us. And you can never understand where God comes from except you first fall in love with him. And I had to think, uh, how, do I, uh, uh, how did I fall in love with Jesus? Where did it come from? 
And I have to trace it back to when I was little, how I used to hear my grandmother pray. I have to believe that uh, somehow she ignited something in me that, uh, uh, that uh, there is a God that she trusted. I'm telling you, she was uneducated. The only thing that she could write was her name. She couldn't go further than that. Well, my grandfather was so too. He, he was a closed book, never ever opened. But I'm telling you, the man had the brain. We used to move from farm to farm, from farm to farm. But there was always a huge plate that he had made that every piece of metal that he found anywhere, he would bring home and put it there. And whenever we move from that place to that place, that thing moved with him. Because whenever we were plowing, and something broke, he will go to his scrap heap and he will find something. If it's not there, I'm telling you, we would make a big fire where he will panel beat that piece of equipment and make it uneducated man. And so, there were things that obviously left in me. Because I refuse anything to beat me. Anything. I refuse. I, there are things that I don't do. That I say I can't do. But when I am found in a spot, I will do it. Why? Because I grew around men and women that done certain things that, that left a seed inside of me. And that seed, I don't even know I was carrying a certain seed. I only find its value when I find myself in a position where something needs to be produced. And prayer was one of those things that I picked up from my grandmother. And I see its value even today. As I said in the beginning, you can never understand the depths of the seed that you carry. And, I'm, and unless you understand that you are of value in God, you will always allow negative words to, be, to take place in your life. And then they begin to formulate your thought. And not long, you see yourself as worthless. You see uh, yourself as uh, not being able to achieve anything because you lack education. You lack that. The, you will find yourself just ready to fall asleep. Every time you sit down, you're ready to sleep. Why? Because you have no aspiration. You have no understanding that you are valuable. That God has placed value inside of you. Except you begin to uh, value that you are valuable. That is why you are alive today. That is why Jesus placed his Holy Spirit inside of you because you are valuable. That is why he called you by name out of your mother's womb. It doesn't matter who rejects you, but do not reject yourself. You need to develop into this man and into this woman of value that you are. You must accept yourself. 
You have to accept yourself. Righteous anger nearly told us about. There's righteous anger. We need to get angry by the things that we are lacking. We are lacking things because we have denied ourselves of the value that God has placed upon us. Jesus was indiscriminate in his planting the seed. I told you last week about it. That the seed was placed, it didn't matter the ground. We, you and I say, well, it is a rocky place. You cannot go and plant it. Jesus dropped the seed there. Why? Because he knew that that seed will never die. One day that ground must yield to the authority of the word of God. Must yield to the authority of purpose. If you don't understand that you have purpose in life, then you will fall for every lie of the enemy. Even when God is using the circumstances to steer you in a certain direction, you will find yourself denying that. God values you. You are valuable to God. You are worthy Even though you might, uh, don't uh, worry about the clothes that you are wearing today because you don't know the possibilities that lie ahead tomorrow. You need to say, I want to embrace my tomorrow if I place myself in Christ Jesus. How are you positioning? It is about positioning, guys. Don't remain a slave to an ideology of man. Jesus was harassed, man. He was rejected. But he did not reject his purpose. He was rejected. Don't know how far we're going to go, but... Matthew 12, for me, gives me a line. Maybe don't even bother to go there, but I want want you to go and just read it. Matthew 12, I think it gives you an idea when to finally get in there to Matthew 13, where Jesus began to speak about the importance of the seed. The importance of the seed. You know, one of the arguments that is so full right now, you know, religion has placed the church in a precarious position. The indoctrination of erroneous teaching has caused the church to hone in when we should be worshiping God. We have reduced the worship of God to a day. And yet Jesus said to the woman at a well, God must be worshiped in spirit and in truth but we have reduced it to a day. 
Some are arguing today it should be on a Saturday. Some are arguing that it's okay on a Sunday. And some have taken it so far that they have their services now on Wednesday. Simply not to be caught up in any of the arguments. But there too, we are still conforming to what man says. What does the word of God say? Take away the day. Does then that mean you cannot worship God? I mean, we find, we find that uh, so easily with, uh, with, uh, with, uh, with the Jews. When they were taken captives, they were thrown into Babylon. They sit there by the river Shabbat. And the people ask them, sing us the Lord's song. And they say, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Why? Because uh, the Jews could not worship except they worship in the temple. They couldn't worship in their own home, in their own space. Okay, they were very much pained by the reality that they found themselves in. They, say, they would say things like, uh, let even my, uh, my hand forget its cunning if I dare to praise God outside of his habitation. They hadn't come to that place uh, where in the New Testament we are told uh, that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And that is where I believe if we would learn how to move towards that, we will then learn how to worship God in spirit and in truth and unrestricted by the day. For everywhere that I am, it is a worship center. Everywhere I am, it is a worship center. I went to one of the uh, uh, hardware stores in uh, uh, Friday morning. And I was uh, in prayer. I was in prayer. I'm praying for the goods I was taking, but I was in prayer. So much that the guy opposite me started humming his own uh, prayer meeting. And I thought, my Lord and my God, I come in the authority of the Holy Spirit. Your God is subservient to my God. When I speak the word of God, your God needs to shut up and go into his own corner. Why? Because I believe in the living God. I don't believe in, uh, in the wisdom of man that brings up uh, man and elevates him into a position where he must decide if I live or die. Daniel showed us very clearly. The uh, Hebrew boys showed us very clearly. That God, your God, has the final say. Has the final say. And so, when we can come to that place where we can truly value ourselves, uh, uh, Jesus was one of those uh, that uh, Isaiah spoke about. And yet we are reminded by uh, uh, Matthew that Jesus never sought the limelight. Spoken as a servant. Matthew 12, verse 15. He says, but when Jesus knew that uh, knew, well, uh, uh, verse 14 will say, then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him how they might destroy him. 15 then says, but when Jesus knew that, he withdrew himself from there and great multitudes followed him. 
You see, religion wants you to conform, and if you are not then doing things the way they want you to, they want to eliminate you. He withdrew himself. Verse 18, he says, For it was written, verse 17, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive, no cry. Crying doesn't mean tatema or cry tears. It means he will not argue about his position. All he does, Jesus did, was put his case forward. It is up to you. Do you accept him or you don't want to accept him? Neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. In other words, he was never a brawler. A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flag shall he not quench until he send forth his judgment unto victory. In other words, a, a bruised reed, it doesn't matter your brokenness, it doesn't matter the areas you have been to, the things that you have done, he is not going to break you. It says, a smoking flax shall he not quench. In other words, even if uh, your love for him is flickering to near death, he's not ready to blow you out. He's ready to bring uh, his judgment. That uh, judgment means uh, he will separate you from those things uh, and bring you to victory. You see, it is all about you when it comes to Jesus. It is not about what he can get out of you. It is about him reconciling you back to God. Back to God. And in his name shall the Gentiles trust. And I, you know, there's... Matthew 12, 33, I wrote something on that, verse 33. It says, uh, okay, it says then, then understanding that uh, there are things that we ourselves need to make judgments on. We need to think, guys, in other words, we need to think. We need to read the word because we cannot form an opinion without being informed by the word of God. It has to be. Sometimes we can get very good with our words. We can twist things that it suits us. But the preaching of the word of God, it's supposed to suit you. When you begin to uh, come under the covering of the Holy Spirit, I'm supposed to release uh, the power and the authority of scripture over you. You're supposed then to go into your closet and meditate on the word. That is why I have to give you scripture. Meditate on the word of God. What are you saying to me directly today? But one of the things I sense in my spirit is that it's time you learn to value yourself in God. Because if you value yourself outside of God, you're going to become conceited. You're going to become proud, prideful. And then the word says, when pride comes, the fall is very near. So I don't want you to go there. Verse 33 then it says of Matthew 12. Either make the tree good or his fruit good 
or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by its fruit. And I found it amazing. Jesus said, you can say anything about Jesus. Anything that is untoward and it will be forgiven you. But say anything against the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And you know, most of us, when we pray, we forget about the Holy Spirit. We shout Jesus. We shout Father. But very rare. And somehow I just sense that Jesus valued the Holy Spirit so much more. So much more. That we need to know he is our helper. He is the one that leads us into all righteousness. He is the one that intercedes for us. Who directs us. Even helps us to pray when we don't know what to pray. You know, I don't know what to pray doesn't mean when I'm just sitting there idle. It means uh, somehow I am crying out to pray and and connect with God. And somehow I don't have the words to speak. It says then the Holy Spirit will come and speak through us. I don't know what, uh, what uh, it felt like to, to you this morning when uh, Jobs began to sing the first song. Me, I was, I was saying more of the same, Lord. Just pour that. It just envelops us with your grace this morning as we sing praises to you. My hands couldn't stretch high enough just to touch the hem of his garment. I felt the presence of God this morning. I said, Lord, this is a worship my heart has been longing for. Maybe maybe we started off the first three songs. We were all in it and somehow I think we lost the way. Saying, church, come. Come, let us connect. Let us connect. I'm not saying, because one of the conditionings that we need to be careful of is that when we come to church and we're going to be told to stand up, we're going to be greeted, and then we'll sing a few songs, and it is becoming a conditioning. We are following a format. We're no more saying, Holy Spirit, we are here, we are standing, we, we are waiting on you, Lord. Speak to us today, God. Speak to us. If you want us to go and have a cup of tea around your word, so let us. Some will be offended the day you come here. We say, okay, go upstairs because we are going to have tea. They will say, this is no longer church. It's become a social club. But if you don't know the configuration of the spirit, what the spirit is saying, you want to follow the format of man. I don't know if you have noticed how many fall asleep during the preaching of the word. Because the preacher man is not preaching what I want to hear. I want him to sweat. I want him to run up and down and get my me, get my flesh excited. 
and not to feed my spirit. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to get there, but I, I would. The tree is known by its cover. <laughs> the tree is known by <laughs> the tree. The tree is covered by its fruit. <laughs> oh, dear Lord, help me. Ah. Maybe um, I, had a, I had it flowing very nicely. Okay, maybe let's go to 13, verse 44, 45, and 46. That I will definitely close with. Matthew 13, 44, 45, and 46. Understand this. That coming to Jesus is a decider. Coming to Jesus is not an emotional decision. It is a decider. Verse 44 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure that is hid in the field. The field is the word of God. There's treasure that is hidden here. It's only going to take the astute, the hungry, to find that treasure. That which when a man had found, he hid it. And for joy thereof goes and sells all that he had and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and he bought the field. In other words, my understanding of this for today, it could mean many things. I have heard preachers having sessions just preaching on the field that has precious pearls because it is a wide subject. But I want to say to you, when you have accepted Jesus, you have to take him in his totality. You cannot pick and choose what fruit you would like today. Is it a low-hanging fruit or is that one that's right there on the top? You can't pick and choose. You have to take the totality of Christ. And the totality of Christ has got many, many facets. To the young people, the Bible says, uh, uh, children, obey your parents. Ephesians chapter 3, I think it's, it is. It says, for it comes with a promise. The promise is that you might have life, long life, long life. Obey your parents. And to the parents, it says to the parents, don't keep goading your children. Don't keep sticking your knife into them. Just teach them the right way and leave them there. Jesus did not force anybody to follow. I have Cade in the church. There's not once, Kate can tell you, not once. 
was ever forced to come to church. Not once. We gave him the word. He heard many preachers give him the word. It's his choices, yeah. In fact, there was a time I told him he needs to leave the church and go and find somewhere else. Go and find his father in the spirit. It doesn't mean that he's born out of my loins that I have to, he is my son in the flesh. That will never change. But in the spirit, it's his choice to choose if I will be a spiritual father to him. And so it is a choice of every one of you here. You might just come and connect to me in the flesh, but spiritually you are far from me. And I'm telling you, it will benefit you nothing. Connect in the spirit and you will eat from the same table that I'm eating from. There's nothing to argue about. That is a sum total of the reality of the word of God. And so when you have found or you come to a place where you decide you have found the field that has a precious pearl in it, you have to sell everything to draw benefit from that. You cannot have your feet on both sides. You cannot. It just will not benefit you. You cannot... Uh, when you bring your tithes and offerings to the church and bring that which you want or you never do, but pray that you have the blessings of Abraham. Abraham knew how to give gifts. If you don't, you say that's in the Old Testament, fine. I'll never force you to give your offering, give your tithe, do anything. But I just wonder, how can you come and say you need lights in the church but refuse to be a partaker of putting the lights on in the church? <laughs> so you can't say I have bought the field if there are areas that you steer clear of. You hearing me? Are you hearing me? Yes. There are things that, that you have to make a decision on. Don't tell me uh, tithing is of the Old Testament. There's just some practical things that you can't run away from. But we can make an argument. You know, it's okay. If you believe it, that's fine. Stay there. That's fine. If you believe that uh, you only want to believe part of the Bible, that's okay. We won't make any argument. I find uh, the purity of Jesus' heart so amazing to me. He never forced any man to do anything. He just laid out God's plan and said, this is God's plan for your life. It's your decision whether you take it or you reject it. Period. Even though he, he will reach out in love. Because listen, he has planted a seed inside of you. Those, little, those are minor things. I'm talking about finances. Those are minor things compared to your eternal life. Those are small things. God can fix it in an instant. Open your heart, he'll fix it in an instant. Nothing too hard for God. Nothing. 
but we can make it. We can argue. This is what I'm talking about. Endless genealogies. Endless arguments. We can argue. Jesus never bothered to engage. In, in, there's not a place where Jesus uh, went toe-to-toe -to -toe and uh, declared that this is my territory. This is my ground. I stand on this. No. He gave you the truth. It's up to you to take it or leave it. So I would... Those that hear us today, study Jesus. Look at him holistically. See where he argued with God that, you know, this I can't do. As a human, when he went out of the uh, temple. He went through, uh, through the Kidron Valley, got to Gethsemane. It wasn't that a decision had not been made. He had made the decision. But when he got to Gethsemane, the enormity of the suffering, the enormity of sin that was beginning to close around him, that is why he would say, this cup, mm -mm. It's too full. I just cannot continue with this. But then I, I, I do believe that he saw beyond all that. He saw beyond the pain, the pain that was temporary. He saw you and I in the far distant. And he said to himself, Father, they are worthy. I'm prepared to pay the price. I'll do it now. I'll do it. I'll do it now. And so, when those that were there to look for that sacrifice, my Peter, the natural man, rose up. The pure brain O. He rose up, took his calamba out, man. The ear goes. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. We don't do it. In the kingdom that I'm steering you to, we don't do it like that. Stuck it back again. So that would be fulfilled what he said when it, there was given the scroll. This word is fulfilled in your ears. Now you couldn't hear anything if you had no ear. He had to put it back and say he needs to hear the, 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 the word of salvation. And so we need to restore. Jesus went to the cross willingly because he saw you and I as worthy recipients of his grace. His love never changes. There's nothing more you can do that will make God saying, now you are worthy. Even in sin, you are worthy. But the thing is, if you continue in sin, you are a loser. I'm telling you, church, if you are living with unforgiveness today, you are robbing yourself. God doesn't condemn you, but you are robbing yourself from what is possible.
May God richly bless you today. Even as we would partake of the emblems this morning. Do not let the enemy tell you you are unworthy to take this. Because uh, uh, Romans tells us that while we were yet in our sins, Jesus died. He paid the price. Paid the price. If you could cleanse yourself, then there would have been no need for Jesus to die on a cross for you and I. And so he sees you as worthy. But in your worthiness, Paul says, do not partake of the Lord's table, knowing full well that there are some issues that you need to fix. That is why you need to stand and fix that issue, but do not miss the Lord's table. Because the ratification of your freedom is made clear at the Lord's table. Amen? God bless you.